Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see everyone here. Um, it feels uh, like a more normal-sized gathering than some times we've had in recent weeks, and, and I'm grateful for that, um, although I know there's a number of people missing this morning as well, and we miss them as well. <clears throat> for a scripture reading this morning, I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 33. spend just a little bit of time looking at this and um, what led me to this is somewhat the events of this past week. Um, last week I preached on trusting the Lord with all your heart and it feels like this week that was put to a challenge in a lot of ways, in, in multiple ways. And, uh, and it was just a good reminder to me again on on who we do trust and where, where we do look for um, confidence and assurance. I have no idea the context of this psalm. There's no heading uh, given with it. Um, I don't know who the author is. Certainly a lot of the psalms are attributed to David, but there were the psalms, I don't know if we always remember, are a collection of writings that were used as songs in, Jew in the Jewish culture. And so it certainly wasn't limited to, uh, or it's not assumed that we don't know that it was David that wrote. He wrote a lot of them, but it was not limited to that. And so this was a song of the Jewish people in the Old Testament is, is about all that we will, we really know the context. Um, so I'm going to read this from the English Standard Version, and um, and then I want to make a number or several observation, number of observations as, uh, as we read this. <clears throat> Psalm 33. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous! Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to Him with the with uh, with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the water of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits, he looks out on the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. <clears throat> the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, 
and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Uh, certainly, um, practically every verse in here deserves a comment. I'm not going to do that. But to me, it was just interesting in, this is Old Testament times. I don't know the context of which this was written, but it was, it's not unlike some of the things that we saw or heard about in the, in the last week. In the contrast of what God offers, of what God gives when you put your trust in him, as opposed to putting your trust in something other than that, whether it's earthly kingdoms or uh, king, yeah, other kingdoms might be a good way of putting it, putting your trust in the kingdom of God versus other kingdoms. And um, so there's a number of things that I just want to mention in verse four, the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. That's just a good reminder for us that God is at work and what he's doing is right and he's consistent with what he is, is doing, even though it may not always make sense. Uh, his call in verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Basically, if you're not in that place, if you're not among those who can do that, life won't make sense. Uh, circumstances won't make sense, but it's there for whoever. Uh, those that are uh, trusting and have their, put their commitment in and are following Christ and are part of the kingdom of God. Verses 10 and 11 just really intrigued me this morning as I was meditating on this. And it's a contrast. The King James does not use the same words, but uh, the Hebrew word is exactly the same for counsel in verse 11 and counsel, uh, 10 in verse, and counsel in verse 11. The Hebrew word is exactly the same for the word plans in verse 10 and plans in verse 11. And so he's contrasting human endeavors to what God is doing. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of, of the peoples. So, I mean, the counsel of humanity accomplishes nothing. Notice the contrast in verse 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his right heart to all generations. It's, it's not just true today. It was true 2,000 years ago. It's true 2,000 years from now if the world stands that long. And then... Um, I mean, there's other things that we could draw from here, but then in verse 16 and 17, there's four negative statements there of what a kingdom other than from God, the kingdom of God, is not capable of. The king is not saved by his great army. The warrior is not delivered 
by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. Um, it doesn't matter the, the, uh, the power, if you will, the strength, the number of people, the, you name it. There's nothing earthly that is, a, is capable of bringing about the type of demands or um, the uh, results apart from God that, that you really want apart from God. And that's, that's probably the part that just really struck me this week is that, you know, um, it just saddens me to see that people are so grasping for power and in their way. And in the end, I mean, it, all it demonstrates is how, uh, how wrong both sides are in the end. I mean, it, that, that there's not a good solution by just forcing your way into a certain thing. And then the concluding verses. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and on those who steadfast, who hope in his steadfast love. That's, what's, that's what matters. It's, it's about the kingdom of God. It's about those who have committed their life to following Christ. And when that is the case... There's a different orientation. There's a different mindset. There's a different way of thinking about all of these things when that is our focus. And then the last three verses. There's four thing, uh, three things that are that mentions here that we can do or that kind of our part, if you will. Our soul waits for the Lord because he's our help and our shield. And we're glad in him because we trust in his holy name. And then his steadfast love is on us even as we hope in Christ, in God. Um, so that's my challenge for you this morning. And uh, it's just some thoughts that have been going through my mind uh, over the course of the week that our only hope, confidence, and trust rests in something beyond what we necessarily see in the kingdom, in God and his kingdom, just put it that way and not a, anything else that is around us. I welcome your feedback, comments on this passage of Scripture, or if there's other things that are in your mind, maybe a passage of Scripture you've been thinking about this week and you'd like to share with the group here. So uh, this is your time. I'd love to hear from, from you and what the Lord has been talking to you. Simon. Absolutely. And I, yes, and I did not comment on that, but I agree that it's more talking, yes, it's a talking about a group of people who choose to make God their Lord. And thank you for that.
John. Sure. It doesn't take away any of the urgency of what is needed at this time. It just reorients to the right direction and the right things. Thank you for that, John. In verse 22, it says, where it says, Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. I think. To me, just one of the things that has been in, on my mind a lot, but especially in the last week, is that every one of us and every person on earth places their hope in something. There's something that we, humans are a hopeful creation, and we, we look to things for hope. And where do we look for that hope? Um, and that will determine what matters most to us. And so, yeah. And the way it ends, even as we have hope in you. Thank you, Darren. Yeah, we all end up putting our hope in something. And what is it? Okay, thank you for that. Uh, on Esther, uh, Alvin, Esther has COVID. I guess she still does, and she was not well and went to the hospital, but is, is doing better this morning. So let's, let's pray for Alvin and Esther. Um, I think I saw on the calendar that it's her birthday today as well. Um, so <clears throat> I will just mention a couple of things as well. Um, as you notice, neither Ivan or Nate are here again this morning. Um, Nates are still in Pennsylvania helping out uh, with Emma there. She bounced back from her round of chemo quite well this past week, and uh, they plan to come home tomorrow. Uh, James and Carla did not get COVID, and so they're able to resume care. Uh, at least as of yesterday, they did not, and so I'm assuming that's the plans, and they plan to come home tomorrow. Um, Ivan and Nicole were in Ohio over the weekend. Uh, I, I'm sorry, we're in Ohio over New Year's Day, and her mom came down with COVID while they were there and uh, tested positive last Saturday, and they came home right after that. 
Uh, Ivan and Nicole have both been sick this week. Um, Nicole more so than Ivan, and it seems like almost every other day Ivan feels better, but then the next day it's worse again and so forth. So they have been tested, but they don't have the results <coughs> back for that at this point. So um, pray for Ivan and Nicole and their family for sure. Um, the plans were three weeks ago or a month ago that um, this today and tomorrow, we as a leadership team would be, we tried to every January have a retreat together and just spend some time together for a couple of days and the plan was to be together today and tomorrow. Um, obviously that got postponed or canceled, I'm not sure yet which, but that hasn't happened and isn't happening this weekend anyway. Um, so. Um, yeah, let's keep praying for, uh, for Dan and Emma Beachy as well, and um, as well as Ivan's family. What else would you like for us to pray about this morning, or what's on your mind? <clears throat> I do want to just add, uh, we do well to pray for our <clears throat> government and our nation uh, during this time, and don't want to undervalue the importance and the value of prayer uh, in that way. Juan has agreed to bring the message for us this morning, and so I uh, want to certainly lift him up as well as we come to prayer. <clears throat> Anyone else? Okay, let's continue. Just pray for us as a church here. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see. Dave, I affirm your request to pray for the government. We are at a time... Before I turn the time over to you. <clears throat> let's pray. Father, thank you for... Juan's willingness to uh, participate in this way in the service this morning. I just ask that you would empower him with your spirit, that you would guide him, and that we could be, uh, that we could hear this morning what you want to teach us through his words and uh, even beyond that. And I just ask that you would um, go before him and allow him to share openly what you've laid on his heart. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Buenos días. Quiero hablar en español también. I'm going to be speaking both languages this time again. Hopefully, you will be able to understand me both. Uh, quiero hablar esta mañana también en español para que algunos puedan entender. Y Tito es uno de los que pueden entender. Titus is one, the one who probably is going to understand what I'm talking to besides uh, my family. So... Yeah, so um, we're going to be talking uh, this uh, this morning about the dangers of keeping anger in our heart. Esta mañana quisiera hablar acerca del de peligro de guardar rencor o enojo en el corazón. And for that, we are going to open our Bibles in the Second Samuel. Chapter 17 and verse 23, we're going to read a verse there. 
Para eso vamos a leer 2 Samuel, capítulo 17, versículo 23. I'm going to be reading just in English. Los que me siguen pueden buscar allí y voy a leer solamente en inglés. Only in English that verse. It's only one verse that we're going to be reading. It's not a pretty verse, but we're going to be uh, reading there. No es un versículo tan bonito, pero lo vamos a leer. Dice, it says that, verse 23, Now when... Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed. He settled a donkey and arose and went home to his house, to his city. Then he put his house hall in order and hanged himself and died. And he was buried in his father's tomb. Ahithophel was a very wise man. Ahithophel era un hombre muy sabio. He was King David's first advisor or top advisor, counselor, or however you, you want to call it. But um, when he was counseling, His word had a lot of weight. Cuando Aitofel aconsejaba al rey, este hombre tenía un peso grande en lo que él decía. So, everybody was respected, or respecting him. Or, so, life was for, for Aitofel was, was very good. He was in the palace. He was... A person who was well treated, I guess, in, in, uh, in the palace. Este Aitofel era un, un hombre bien respetado y tenía, gozaba de, de, de vivir allí en el palacio con el rey. And, uh, yeah, he, like I said, he was King David advisor. Uh, Besides, he had a, a son who was one of the 30 men in uh, King David's, or the people who was close to King David. También él tenía su hijo que era uno de los que era de los 30 mejores de David. And besides that, He had a granddaughter. Her name was Bathsheba. And uh, she was also married to one of the 30 men that David had. So life was, was good for him. Life was treating him good. Entonces la vida para Aitofel era bastante buena. La vida lo trataba, lo trataba bien. But um, things in David's kingdom was not going well. Las cosas no iban bien en el reinado de David. They had too many problems. And uh, David had failed into sin, taken Bathsheba 
as his wife. And, uh, and these things started to create a problem for Ahithophel. He began to have this anger, this bitterness in his heart. Entonces para Aitofel era bien difícil cuando se dio cuenta de que las cosas en el reinado de David no iban bien. Él había tomado a Betabé como mujer y ahora Aitofel estaba lleno de amargura, de rencor. And things began to go downhill in David's kingdom. So Ahithophel, even though he was a man that was very wise, he had a good strategies how to fight, how to counsel the king, how to do things. But we see that it didn't matter how wise he was, he still had a problem in his heart. He was keeping this anger, keeping this bitterness in his heart. And, uh, well, he, he went on and on. And he probably, he, he knew what was going on after, you know, what, what happened, the, the story of what happened after Bathsheba came to David, and then David, when he see that the, the kuna covered the big problem that he was into, he got into another bigger problem. And he sent Urias, I don't know if that's the pronunciation correctly, who, who was uh, Bathsheba's husband, to murder him. So that was another big problem that David and his kingdom was getting into. Entonces, lo que pasaba es que después que David tuvo ese problema con Betsabé, también no solo hizo eso, sino que también mandó a matar al esposo de Betsabé, el cual era uno de los hombres que estaba en el ejército y en la batalla. So, Ahitofel saw this, knew about all this problems going on in David's family, in David's kingdom. And as we have said before, as I have before, he was keeping this anger. And the kingdom, you know, shaking and, and going on, he thought maybe the, the best way was to punish David for, for what he has done. Maybe, and so he was waiting for the occasion, for the opportunity that he could help maybe to take David out of the kingdom. Entonces, David estaba esperando solo una oportunidad, o, o Aitofel estaba esperando una oportunidad para, para ver cómo sacar a David del, rein, del reinado. And uh, this opportunity came when Absalom, his, the son of David, had it, this idea of 
fighting for, for the kingdom and, and taking David out of the, out of the kingdom. So Ahithophel went and helped him. And when Absalom went to Hebron, at least that's what in the Spanish, and, and, and uh, I get a little bit confused sometimes with the names and, and, and words. But he went to this city and he proclaimed himself king. And Ahithophel agreed with that. He, he said, okay, this is the opportunity. We are going to go and take his kingdom. And he was pretty sure that he, he can do that because he was very wise. He knew that, that if, if Absalom will follow his counsel, he could take David out of, the, out of the kingdom of Israel. Entonces, Ahitofel estaba tan seguro cuando Absalón se sublevó contra David, que él estaba seguro que él podía sacar a David del reinado. And so when uh, Absalom proclaimed himself a king, and what happened also is that Israel was kind of divided. The sons familiar that to you? A little bit divided? Isn't our nation a little bit divided today? So they were divided. Some people was, were trying to support Absalom, and some other people was trying to support David. And, uh, but Ahithophel helped uh, Absalom. And when Absalom proclaimed himself king in Hebrew, he got to the ears of David. And not only he was proclaiming himself king, but he was coming to Jerusalem to take over Jerusalem. For King David, when he heard, you know, he was a, a man of, he was a warrior. He, he was not afraid of going to battle. He was not afraid to fight. But this time it was different. He wouldn't hesitate to fight the Philistines or other people. But this time it was different. He was going to fight his own son who was coming against him. Esta vez era difícil y era diferente para David porque David estaba acostumbrado a la guerra. Él no tenía ningún problema para pelear con, contra cualquier otra persona. Pero esta vez era diferente porque era su único su, o su hijo el que venía contra él. So David, when he saw that Absalom, Absalom was coming to Jerusalem, he decided to leave the city with a group of people. With, it was not just a small group. I think it was a lot of people going with him. Because like I said, a lot of people were supporting, supporting David, but a lot of people also were supporting Absalom. So he decided to leave, but in the way out, he, there, there was a lot of people that was getting to his group. And there was an old man whose name was Hushai, and correct me if I, if I don't say that word as well. 
So he was one, another counselor of David. And he said, David, I'm going to go with you. David said, no, if you want to help me, you stay in the palace. And you are going to keep me informed of what is going to happen, what's going to happen when, when Absalom gets here. And so there was, sorry, I forgot to translate from. And so, uh, entonces, venía eh, Absalom, pero había otro consejero de David que se llamaba Usai. Y este Usai quería ir con David también, porque David quería huir al ver que su hijo venía para Jerusalén. Y él no quería pelear. Entonces, este Usai se une a él, se quiere unir a él y le dice, no, quédate en la ciudad, en el palacio, para que me informes cómo van las cosas. Going back to you. So, now, Usai tries to go with David, but David told him not to go, but stay in the palace to inform him of what was going on. So, since there was no war because David flee, or flew, or flee, I don't know if it's flee, I'm getting confused because a lot of flu going on. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah, he flee the city, and then Absalom gets to Jerusalem. It was not war. So Absalom was like, yeah, good for me. So he, he start by, or, or beginning to start telling the people, what are we going to do now? Ahithophel, you know, Because he was keeping the anger, remember, remember, he was keeping the anger in his heart. So he wanted to act quick. ¿Se recuerdan de Aitofel? Él estaba con su corazón lleno de amargura y de, y de rencor, entonces él quería actuar rápidamente. And, uh, and he said, well, the quickest thing to do is give me, if you go to verse, uh, to chapters 17, verse 1, He said, give me 12,000 men, and I'm going to fall on David when he is weak, when he is uh, tired, and I'm going to kill him. See how much anger he had. He was, he was ready to kill David. I mean, he, he, he himself asked Absalom to, to give him 12,000 men to go and kill David. And you know that this council was very, very certain. Because we are going to read later on what happened. But yeah, he, he was ready to go and kill David. Entonces, este Aitofel estaba tan seguro y estaba listo para ir a matar a David, que él le dijo a Absalón, dame 12 mil hombres y voy y los mato. Les caigo hoy mismo y los mato. Y ese consejo era bien acertado. That counsel that um, Ahithophel gave to Absalom, it was so certain. But 
Absalom wanted to hear another, a second opinion. So he called Yushai. And you can see uh, that on verse 5 to uh, verse 14. And then he said, Yushai, oh, Yushai, come, what should we do? Ahitophel said that this is the way that we should act to kill David. Imagine a son trying to, or planning to kill his own father. Can I imagine that? But, but what, that's what, what was happening. Then Hushai said, uh-uh, Absalom, that's not, not a good way, not a good counsel. Ahitophel is, is good, but this time he did counsel you wrong. Because you know what? David right now is like an like a angry bear or something like that. I'm going to paraphrase this. When they have taken the cubs out, and he's not, not even going to be with the people. He's going to probably sleep in one of the caves or somewhere. But you are not going to find him. And you are going to fail. And then, then Absalom, Absalom said, that's a good counsel. Mm -hmm, I like that. But you know why he liked that, even though that, that was not a good counsel? Because see in verse 14, says, So Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The advice of Hushai, Hushai and the archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel. For the Lord has purpose to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the in intent that the Lord might bring disaster to Absalom. So that means that Ahithophel had a good counsel. And like I said, he was pretty sure that if he got those 12,000 men, he could go and kill David. Él estaba seguro de hacer morir a David ese mismo día. Pero Dios había confundido el pensamiento o, o, el, o el consejo de Aitofel, aunque era el mejor. But Absalom saw that, or yeah, thought that the counsel of Hushai was a lot better because he said, I advise you, all right? I'm going to advise you to get together as many people in Israel, and we go, and when we get there, we are going to find David. It doesn't matter if he, if he is hiding under the rocks. We are going to find him because we are going to be so many as the sand in the sea or something like that. But what he was saying is that we are going to go, we are going to go and we are going to be so many people that he is not going to escape. He's not going to have nowhere, nowhere to go. But you know what? Hushai was trying to gain time for David. And what happened is that he also had a 
some way of how to let things know to David. And in that, that time, he sent a message to David and told, and, and told David, David, don't stay in the desert. Go across the river. And so David had the chance to go farther. And that's what, what they needed. They needed time. But then we come to the verse that we have read. Now, when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he settled a donkey and arose and went to his house to the city. So you see what's going on? You, you see what happened? Ahithophel had a plan. Vea lo que pasaba. Ahithophel tenía un plan, pero se le frustró. Ahithophel had a plan, but he got frustrated when he saw that the plan was not followed. Why was that? Because we said before, because he was keeping this anger in his heart. He was keeping this, all this uh, bitterness in his heart. And that's why he was ready to do anything to kill David. But when he saw that his counsel was not followed, do you know what happened? He, he said, it's done. It's done. Because he knew that if his counsel was not followed, he was going to die anyway. Because when David came back, because he, he knew that if his counsel was not followed, Absalom was going to lose the battle. He was pretty sure of that. So he said, this is done. When, when Absalom said, we are going to follow Hushai's counsel, he quietly took a donkey, went to the city, put his house in order. In other words, he makes the, what do you call it, a wheel? And he probably said, this is for this and this for that, and then he hung himself. He knew it. He knew that that was the end. Because he was wise. He knew uh, all things about war. He knew how king think. He knew how the military people think. He, he knew everything. And so he, he was pretty sure that that was the end. He was so wise that he even knew that he was going to die. And because... And, and, and that's what, what happened. You, you know what happened, uh, the, the rest of the story. He, uh, the Absalom got the people, and he went to the war. And exactly, that, that's what happened. Absalom got killed. King David, 
came back, came back to Jerusalem. He was feeling sad because his son was killed. But at the end of his days, he told he told Solomon what to do with all the people that he didn't take care of before. If you go to the next book, First King. Chapter 2, you are going to find that. And I'm not going to read, but he said, you are going to do this to these people. You are wise. Solomon, you are wise. So you, you know what to do. You know what would happen if Ahithophel didn't kill himself. He was going to be in the list of the people that Solomon had to take care of. So it was done for, for Ahithophel. El problema era que Ahitofel no, no se siguió el consejo y entonces no se siguió el consejo de él. Ahora él sabía que ya estaba terminado. Él sabía que todo había terminado ya. Por eso enalbardó su, su mulo, su, su asno y fue y se ahorcó. Porque él sabía. Él sabía bien completamente que si no se seguía el consejo de él, todo iba a terminar mal. So, this morning, what can we learn of these passages, passages that we have read or we have talked about? I think we can learn that it doesn't matter who you are, young, old, woman, if we keep anger in our heart, if we keep bitterness in our heart, it can destroy our life. It doesn't matter how wise. It doesn't matter how knowledge you have. It doesn't matter how ignorant you are. You and I will have problems and we will destroy our, our lives if we keep anger, if we keep bitterness in our hearts. So I think that's the... the learning or the lesson that we can take from here. Entonces la lección que debemos de tomar o podemos tomar de esta historia es que no importa quiénes seamos, si somos hombres, mujeres, niños o pobres o ricos, con mucho conocimiento, ignorantes, si tenemos rencor, enojo en nuestro corazón, si guardamos eso puede destruir nuestras vidas so this morning as we have been thinking of this let's ask God to live lives free of anger, free of bitterness and if we had bitterness Let's ask for, let's ask God and, and ourselves to get rid of that because that can be a way to our life to be destroyed.
So let's pray this this morning. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity that we had to think about this story where Ahithophel kept his anger and uh, we have seen how he got destroyed. Maybe he had a, another chance if he would act different. But help us, Lord, that through these lessons that we, that we have seen this morning, we may live lives free of bitterness, free of anger. It doesn't matter what comes to our life. Help us, Lord, to bring all the things to you and help us to live free of bitterness in our heart. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.